Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guide books. So let's talk about being queer in um, new, potentially unfriendly spaces. Right. This is, I feel like, a thing that... We get asked about this a lot. I also feel like, obviously, this episode is coming out in the new year, but the news of what's happening right now is the attack at Club Q in Colorado Springs. So that is something that's sort of presently, um, I think, on our minds and just what is, yes. what's happening um, on a nationwide level when it comes to, obviously, queer rights and safety because that is something that is um, obviously a paramount issue for <laughs> the both of us. Right. It's also just like the the level of disheartening kind of sadness that comes with any sort of news like this, specifically here in this instance. So yeah, but we do get asked, you know, what's it like to travel specifically in the bigger, wider open country mm-hmm. um, outside of cities and being queer? And how does that really affect you and your traveling? Well, <laughs> interestingly mm-hmm. enough, when we were headed to the park that we'll be talking about for the next several main stage episodes, which is Theodore Roosevelt National Park in, in North, North Dakota. Dakota. We were about 20 minutes out from arriving. I think it's also helpful to know that we had been driving for almost 14 hours. Oh, this, this was day. like a haul. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, we were driving. I think you were the one driving at the time. No, I was driving. You were driving. And um, we were about 20 minutes. We've been in the car for 14 hours. We'd done crosswords. We'd done games. We had talked about everything. And about 20 minutes before we arrive, you turn to me and you're like, all right, listen up. We have to talk about something. And I was like, oh, are we breaking up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was like a very serious tonal shift. And I was like, okay, my interest is here. What's going on? And you were like, well, I was like, I just think we need to be aware that we are, you were like, you launched in, like clearly this was something you had been percolating on the entire Mm. drive. And you were like, well, now's the time to spring this on him. (laughs) 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 Like it was treachery. And it was just like, um, I think it was obviously all from a, place of love and a place of like I want to make sure that we're just aware of this 
but you were like, I think we need to be really conscientious. Like we had just left. We were leaving Milwaukee. Milwaukee Mm -hmm. is what took us to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. We're not in the city anymore and we're in the Midwest. And like, you know, I think you also were like, I, you know, know what it's like to be like queer in the South and what that is like. Um, But you were like, I think we just need to think about how we, (laughs) it wasn't behave, but like think about like, where we're at and what we're doing in these spaces and how we act. (laughs) Uh And I was like, the fuck? (laughs) Because it like was like, we had never really had to have this conversation before. One. And two, you had 14 hours to have this conversation Mm -hmm. with me and you chose the last 20 minutes where we were like stopping at a grocery store before we headed to our accommodations. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about this because clearly it's something you're concerned about. I think there's (laughs) like another uh, layer to this conversation Mm -hmm. that the thing that precipitated the conversation at all was we were talking about how at the Airbnb we were staying at, there's this bar mm-hmm. that is also owned by the Airbnb mm-hmm. people. And I had said, I was like, I think it's probably a good idea for us to patronize their bar at some point. Mm-hmm. And we had had very clear COVID protocols about what we would do and what we would not do as far as things go. Yeah, because we were still traveling at the time when COVID was still, obviously, it's still a thing. um, But this was like where it was still very heightened. And it was summer of 2021. Right. And so vaccines had been rolled out at this point, but still. But still. Mm -hmm. And so we had made clear parameters for Mm -hmm. that. And Mm then um, me saying, I think we should patronize their bar was me saying, I think we should participate in the culture of whatever this Airbnb place is so that we don't stick out like sore thumbs. Mm -hmm. And you were saying, but doing that is violating the COVID protocols that we have put in place. Mm -hmm. So it was like two fairly heavy conversations happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yours was heavier. (laughs) (laughs) But I definitely did have a moment of like, oh my God, I don't want them to think like that two queers from New York have shown up and like... All right, you just elevated our status as (laughs) New Yorkers. (laughs) We are not. (laughs) We're not. No, we're from New Jersey, but... (laughs) We're like New York adjacent at best. Yeah. Uh, What's funny though is like everyone in my family is like, oh, Dusty lives in New York, mm -hmm. even though I live in New Jersey. But anyway, yeah, I did have a concern about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I do think, you know, I'll say this. I'll say where we live, we have a luxury that... There is more acceptance, openness. The culture here, for the most part on the East Coast, for the most part, um, is one where you're kind of invited to be able to participate in that culture easier um, in a way that there's less concern. Like, I don't go out and not that I'm also like hitting the gay bars all the time, but I don't go out and like have those thoughts in my head. Now that things have happened, obviously, you know, on multiple occasions and multiple fronts, those are things obviously that I think about a little bit more, but not from that perspective, not from just like everyday waking, walking around life, you know, in other parts of the country, especially rural, more open areas. I guess that is a concern to have, I think, in just my own naivety of, you know, the trip and just being like, well, we're just exploring and it's going to be great. I didn't really have to let that cross my mind, you know, let that thought really enter into anything I was thinking about. But unfortunately, that's, you know, we don't live in this idyllic world where people are allowed to get away with not thinking that. Some people's safety is really hinges on their ability to be discreet, to 
pass as straight to, you know, to not um, make too many waves, which is heart-wrenching and sad on so many levels. It is. So I do think that we do have to, in in certain instances, we have to collect ourselves and remember that we're not always the most wanted people in in spaces. I do want to say, though, that um, we ended up having no problem at this Airbnb. Right. Regarding any of um, feeling welcome or not. We felt very welcome there. And I do have to say, like, one of the questions we get all the time about our five-week trip was, like, did you encounter any homophobia? And my answer is always like not directly i don't know what people are saying when i'm not there i'm like but as far as like all of the people we spoke with all of the places we were i never saw any of it directly no Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you get at the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. At the National Park. At the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you We would like to acknowledge that while visiting and hiking the land also known as Theodore Roosevelt National Park, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Mondon, Hidatsta, Arikara, Crow, and many other indigenous peoples. Okay, so yes, we had taken a 14-hour drive from Milwaukee. It yeah. said it was more like 12, but with stops, and there were many. Yeah. It was more like 14. Long. It was a like, long, long, long. Because you have to drive basically across Wisconsin, across Minnesota, and then basically also across North Dakota. Uh, yeah, it's a lot <laughs> to do in a day. It's a, a lot. lot. This was, I think, our longest drive of the trip, if not our very close to second longest. I feel like the drive from here to Glacier was also equally long, but I think this was the longest drive. This was the longest yeah. drive. The drive to Glacier, I think second. it was... Like 13. Yeah. It came in at 13 because yeah. it was supposed to be like 11. But Montana is long. And then, because we were driving all the way to the other side of Montana. Yeah. I remember, yeah. and we talked about this before, it was like, oh, now we're only like 11 hours from Olympic. It was less than that, I think. It was like 10, yeah. actually. No, I think it was like 7. No, yes. really? Yes, and then it was like 10 to the ocean if we wanted to get to the oh, ocean. 10 to the ocean. Yeah. Oh, well. We could have literally driven from shore to shore because considering we started that trip at a wedding in we did, New Jersey. Technically, yeah, sure. Yeah. Too sure. Yeah. Anyway, things we didn't do. But this drive was like took everything from us. It did. I remember like getting to where we needed to get to and being like, I don't know how we just did that. I like know. we did 
stop on the way because we were doing research in the car. You were researching as I was driving and you're like, I think we need to stop at this food store because where we were staying in this Airbnb, we had a kitchen, um, which was great. It was like a cabin with a kitchen and that was it. The bathrooms were separate. But um, you're like, I think this is probably our stop. And I was like, oh, really? Because we were about a half hour from the cabins. And you're like, yeah, there's like literally nothing around. Like, yeah. We had to stop at this grocery store, which was lovely. I think it was an Ingalls. Something like that. Something like that. Looking at the map, it was like, okay, we have to drive like 35 minutes off of the exit, the main (laughs) highway here, and just into the abyss for 35 straight minutes. 35 minutes isn't a long drive. No. But when you're driving and it's like... There's nothing. Fields. Literally just Just fields fields. on either side. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get to like this tiny little community that has like a church on one side. Amadon. And then, and right, that was the name of the community. Mm-hmm. And then um, it does have these cabins that are on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. We'd originally booked somewhere else that was actually like near a college that was closer to the highway. It uh-huh. was right off the highway, but then... Oh, they canceled on us, Well, right? Airbnb canceled yeah. it because they were like, there's been like a problem oh, with this listing. This is right. This was some drama. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, there's a problem with this listing. And so we're taking it off the market. Yeah. And then I got a message from the guy, from the host that was like, I'm, it's so weird that Airbnb did this. Everything's still fine if you want to like still rent it and just pay me cash. And I was like, we're getting out of this circumstance. Yeah. I was like, this is how we end up at bathtubs this full is, of ice. <laughs> right. Right. This is why right. Barbarian the movie exists. Yeah. Um, so. I was right. I forgot about all of that. So I called you and we'd like booked all of our accommodation. I think we had done it in like two different sittings. Yeah. We'd booked half of it in one sitting and then half of it in another sitting. And then I was like, okay, this happens. So we need to book another place. And you were like, is there anything for that price? And I was like, no, we're just going to have to pay more. Right. Right. But it was like the difference of a lot more versus like a little bit more. A little bit more. A lot more was there are these lodges like right off the highway. Mm-hmm. Like there were like three of them. Like yeah. right, like you would have been 10 minutes from the park probably. Right, but they were but a they lot were of money. A lot of money. And we were like, we can't, we can't do that. No. So yeah. we paid a little more and had to drive further away. We had a lovely time there. We did. It was literally in the middle of nowhere, like Dusty said, like 35 minutes off the exit into the fields, into the unknown. And we had, like I said, this private little cabin that was kind of adjacent to where the bar was there were maybe like only like two or three other cabins on the property but it was also a spot where if you had an rv you could like they had hitches and everything all set up there the cabin was interesting in that it had like a queen bed and then two sets of bunk beds and then the kitchen and like an ac unit um, which was yeah. great. It yeah. was really great. The bathrooms were also fine, but we just had to walk across the yard essentially yeah, to get they to were them. fine. It was like a camp bathroom, basically. It was. It mm-hmm. was. We were, and that's what we had signed up for this we whole did. trip. It's exactly what we signed up for. We got ourselves set up there at the cabins. I think we probably were like, let's shower tonight because I think we just also felt gross from sitting in a car all day. Uh-huh. And we sort of did some preparatory work for the morning because we had really planned. We were only in Theodore Roosevelt for two days and we wanted to make the most of the park. Now, the park is split into two separate units. There's so, the north unit mm-hmm. and then there's the south unit. And we were closer to the south unit. The south unit is closer to the little town called Medora, uh-huh. which we'll talk 
talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about in a minute. We were planning on doing the South unit that next day, and we wanted to utilize our time as best we could. So the plan, shocker, was to get up very early to be able to then drive the half hour to, well, actually, it ended up being more to where we needed to go because it was oh, a half yeah. hour to get to just to the highway. The highway. And then yeah. it was probably another 10 minutes or so, 10 or 15 to get to, to get the to... visitor center. But that's not what we were doing this no, day. No. no, we knew when we got in that we had a little bit of a drive ahead of us that next morning. So we crashed and we got up early because we weren't going to the park itself proper. We were going to do a hike that was not through the main entrance, but we had to kind of go a little bit off-road to get there. So the trail that we had planned to do is called the Petrified Forest Loop, which is located in Theodore Roosevelt National Park, Mm -hmm. not in the Petrified Forest National Park. However, Petrified Wood and Petrified Forest can be found in a lot of places, not just in the Petrified Forest National right. Park. We saw a petrified tree in Yellowstone. Exactly. Yep. So Wood yeah. can get petrified anywhere. Mm. Can't it, though? <laughs> this was called the Petrified Forest Loop. We'd actually found it in the Moon Travel Guide mm-hmm. the, uh, in the big um, 62. At the time. At the, the time was had. 62. Uh-huh. Now it's 63. It's uh-huh. been a new edition has come out. Mm-hmm. But yes, we had earmarked this trail because it was like, if you're interested in a long trail, yeah. then this would be the one to do. Yeah. So we wanted mm-hmm. to do a long trail and really see a lot. That's why we decided to do the Petrified Forest Loop. Right. Basically, what we have to do to get there is essentially pass the park entirely on I-94. And then we pulled off on essentially this dirt road that had some private ranch land off to the sides on each side. It takes us to the Petrified Forest Loop. So I was driving this morning. Yeah, I think that was a good move considering it was your car and... This was definitely some rougher road that we had to travel on. It wasn't necessarily like a like an off-roading experience because off-roading is very specific. Mm -hmm. But it was a primitive road. Sure. So it was a dirt road. It was a dirt road. Mm -hmm. It was gravelly. Um, and it was pretty long. We had to drive about five miles into this on these dirt roads in order to get to the trailhead. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty well marked because there were some offshoots on the road, but the GPS actually brought us exactly there. But I think there were markers on the road to also kind of keep you going there were we did lose the gps at one point though and i remembered being like okay when we go back let's start remembering where we have to do the opposite right exactly <laughs> right we had seen some bison mm-hmm. on our way in mm-hmm. um there were also a lot of cows around in all of this ranch land yes yeah around seven thirty, we arrive at the trailhead which is a pretty big parking lot. And there are already just a few other cars in the lot at this point. We get ourselves geared up and lotioned up because the thing about this trail is it's basically fully exposed. Entirely exposed yep. the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's, there's We've never experienced any shade, no. at least from the weather. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The trail itself is interesting because it's sort of like three separate arms where you're getting three very distinct trails with a little bit of a like a lead out trail to it. So when we get in, we have the opportunity, there's a great sign because the book that we have, the 62 National Parks book, doesn't have the trail map in it, but there is a really great sign that has like a map to it that kind of gives us a great overview of what the trail is going to look like. There's also, do you remember there were some signage about 
trail closures based off of like spraying or something was yes, happening. There were some signs. Like for du- crop dusting or um, pest control dusting exactly. that was happening. Like they were doing flyovers and yeah. like dropping stuff. And we were like, oh, okay. But there was no date on the sign. No. And so we didn't really know if, okay, is this trail technically closed? Is this an old sign? It did kind of look like an old sign. Right. So it seemed okay. (laughs) So we proceeded. Yeah. So in totality, there are four arms to this trail. We would head out on a half mile arm that would get us out to this triangular loop. The first loop is... 2.8 miles, and that's on the North Petrified Forest Trail. Then there are 3.3 miles on the Madahe Trail, um, and this is a much longer trail we'll talk about a little later. And then 2.3 miles on the South Petrified Forest Trail, with then a repeat of the 0.5 miles to get us back to the car. So in total, this very early morning hike was about nine and a half miles. And it was recommended that it would take about five hours Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. So again, the earlier the better. Especially too, because it was going to get hotter as the day went on. So this was a perfect time to start. Hike early, hike often, girlies. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I remember this correctly, but not long being on that first like 0.5 mile arm Mm -hmm. to arrive to the, you know, the spot of the loop where we would get on, there was a gate Yes. It looks like a cattle gate or something, right? Yeah, there was like a little bit of a cattle bridge there, I feel like, too. That's it was like a metal right. graded sort of bridge, yeah. And we were looking at it, trying to figure it out, and it was like, oh, the thing's sort of like, it's like an L bracket kind yeah. of thing, and yeah. it like comes up, and then it was a very interesting. It was an interesting gate. Gate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have to open the gate to get into the trail area. The initial portion of this trail is a little bit of an uphill grunt. It's definitely gradual, but it's very easily felt by us as we're headed up the hill. Honestly, this is also just like continuing the theme that we'll see here in the Midwest on our drives and on our hikes, a lot of vast open spaces. That is a lot of grassland as far as the eye can see. Once we start, we finally get to this like crest of this hill and we can really see the landscape around us and landscape starts to change a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it feels a little more like Badlands. Now, at this point, we hadn't been to Badlands, but this is an area mm-hmm. technically considered a Badland. Mm-hmm. But we had experienced Petrified Forest, which is the national park itself, which is also technically a Badland. A Badland. So right. it had a very similar feel to it. It's much more parched earth with those same sort of rock and hill formations that we had seen in Petrified Forest National Park, where the hills kind of look as though water has carved deep grooves into them. There's some Georgia O'Keeffe paintings that also have this yes, sort of like yes. when she paints the Southwest landscape, where you can very clearly, like if you have seen those paintings, or if you've seen hills like this, you would be able to kind of match the two together. And that's what it felt like. So after we come to this initial crest, we end up walking on a more of a flat grassland plateau, which would then become a large portion of the trail for us later. Eventually, we hit a crossroads. This is where we decide to go left, which was what was recommended as well. And we would come back the other arm, which would be nice because it's a shorter arm to travel back on later. You know, what's funny is like we're talking about the trail and I'm remembering now the uphill Mm -hmm. the grunt that Mm -hmm. we had to do in Mm -hmm. order to you know on that first arm to get to the loop 
but my recollection of most of the rest of it was the flatness that mm-hmm. came with it. And we definitely got a taste of it right here mm-hmm. after turning left. So it does stay flat for a while and green and fairly lush. And then it tr- we transition into like heading down into a downward section. Mm-hmm. It felt a little like a canyon, like we were entering into a canyon. But very wide canyon. Very wide, mm-hmm. not very deep, Mm-mm. and definitely bad land feeling. Mm-hmm. We definitely gain and lose elevation here like create like this portion of the trail more than the other you know three this is where a lot of elevation is gained and lost and it felt like we were headed up and then down and then up and then down a a decent amount but we do eventually get to this kind of petrified forest section after descending and it becomes a little bit more level here the ground definitely becomes more arid and we start to see our first bits of petrified wood um, which are everywhere but not as large as we had seen when we were in Petrified Forest National Park. I loved this mm-hmm. because not all petrified wood is made the same. Right. It was fascinating to see what the petrified wood here How looked like looked, yeah. versus down in Arizona mm-hmm. because, the, I mean, those... Very different spaces. Very, very mm-hmm. far away from mm-hmm. each other. Wood doesn't get petrified just in one area, Mm-mm. right? It can no. be petrified anywhere. Mm-hmm. So just seeing the difference is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there will be people who, oh, well, I found this petrified wood to be really disappointing because like, I'm used to what it looks like down at the Petrified Forest National Park. Mm-hmm. And for those people... I don't know if you're listening to this show. Nature is so cool and so interesting and so beautiful in so many different places. Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot to take in no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to compare it to other things. That's right. Not all flowers bloom the same. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so I was in my feels about this in Mm -hmm. the good way. Mm -hmm. I was just like, look at how cool. Yeah, it was really neat. Like, look at what's happening on this petrified wood. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things I remember being in there. Like, I saw the first piece of petrified wood because it just looked like a rock. Yeah. And then I just started noticing, oh, God, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. Yeah. When we were in Petrified Forest National Park, there were obviously very large pieces, but then there were like kind of confetti pieces is what I'm going to call it because they were very small all over the ground, which is obviously a reason that you're not supposed to pick anything up, even though it's small and enticing and like you're supposed to leave everything alone. And it was sort of like that here. Obviously, it would be very easy for someone. I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying someone could very easily pick up a little piece and pocket it and take it home. But that's not the goal. And don't do that. Just don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just saying that. That's what it felt like. It felt like very confetti-y petrified wood. But there are some larger chunks here and there. Do what every other person does if they want a piece of petrified wood. You find a little local gem shop Mm -hmm. and you support them and you buy a piece. After this section, we hike through another grassier section after the initial field of petrified wood and end up in another petrified wood section. There's definitely a lot more topography and geography happening in this section and all around us here. And generally, there are a lot of mounds and a lot of pieces of petrified wood just strewn all over the place. What was nice was that this trail had very clear marking. Mm -hmm. It was very easy to know where to go because there were these wooden posts with slanted cuts at the top that helped to like mark our way through the trail. Mm -hmm. They were really easy to spot and they helped to kind of give us perspective on the distance and also allow you to better grasp where you are. And this would become especially important as we exited this section, but even through this section, because there were so many places that you probably thought you could go, but there was very clearly a trail. To me, it really felt like we could have been in California 
or Australia. And it's a very interesting mix of landscapes. I agree. Yeah. I think we talked about this like in the moment. We mm-hmm. were like, wow, like, I mean, we haven't been to Death Valley, but we'd imagine it feels something similar to this. Mm-hmm. Haven't been to Australia, but I bet the Outback has a similar vibe. Sure. This section is, and generally speaking, this whole trail, very expansive. Mm-hmm. And it really oscillates between like very lush and very bad landy. Mm-hmm. And we continue to just like keep losing and gaining elevation. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Well, you know, <laughs> it was, let's talk about this, right? We were in a place in our hiking trip that summer, the, our five weeks on the road. Mm-hmm. We were still in week one. We were. We had done all of Indiana Sand Dunes. Well, you would, I mean, a lot of Indiana a lot of sand Indiana dunes. sand dunes. All of it. You'd already scorched your hand. Yep. We'd gone to Chicago. Mm-hmm. We've gone to Milwaukee, and so this kind of felt like the first really, really long hiking day. Mm-hmm. I remember in my recollection of it, I felt very alive at this point. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, because later this day we ended up doing more. Yeah. But no, I was feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a lot of up and down. Yeah. And it was a lot to be like. Well, get used to this because it's not going in a way anytime no. soon. No. Yeah. How were you feeling? I was good. I was nice to be out. It was beautiful out. I just remember like feeling this was first kind of truly warm day. I remember where it was like, oh, it feels like summer out here because it wasn't the warmest in the, the dunes. It was kind of cloudy. And then Chicago and Milwaukee felt pretty mild. You know, like there was mi- more mild. This felt like, oh, this feels like summer trail hiking. And it's all exposed in the sun. <laughs> so right. it's like, we're going right. to get our tan on here. So after about an hour and a half of climbing, what would be our last big climb for a little while here on this trail, we ended up seeing signs for the Madahe Trail. And with that, let's take our first break. Okay, so we are playing Pentagram, Mm -hmm. which is, we haven't played this in a bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like we always say that anytime we play Pentagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if this is deja vu all over Mm -hmm. again for some of you. Deja vu. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are we trying to summon? Well, being that we um, are post-holiday now and Groundhog's Day is coming, I'd like to summon the Groundhog without seeing his shadow. (laughs) Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. So the Groundhog without seeing his shadow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, we want springtime and lovely again. That we do. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I think I'm going to put in um, Andy McDowell. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I think I am going to put in, um, because I feel like the groundhog, you know, he sees a shadow, but I also am like, I think you're just lazy and tired. So I'm going to put in a, a big pot of coffee for him because I want him to stay up and not be scared to go back in. Uh-huh. Great. I like that <laughs> mm-hmm. very much. God, okay. We're summoning. I love that we're summoning a groundhog. Mm-hmm. Puxatani Phil, to be exact. To <laughs> not see his not shadow. Not see his shadow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think we need some clouds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. All right, so you're adding clouds I to the I think we mix. need a cumulus, cumulonimbus here. You know what else I'm going to like add in? Is Where are the clouds? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put in Peter Pan's cap because like the first time Peter Pan goes into the room with Wendy, mm-hmm. she has to like sew a shadow back to him. Ah. So I just feel like it's a nice reference. Oh, I like to that. To be like... He can't he can't find his shadow and Got then it. she finds the shadow. Right. So Peter Pan's cap. Peter Pan's cap, Andy McDowell, some coffee. Some clouds. Some clouds. Um, one more item. Mm. 
for the for the fifth point of the pentagram. Actually, I think what instead of clouds, I'm going to put in Joni Mitchell's both sides now. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll cloud bring reference. the clouds. Is that a cloud reference? I like it. Yeah. Um, so we need our fifth item for the groundhog. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am going to um, put in the song Stay by Lisa Lowe. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> in hopes that he will stay. Great. And not see his shadow Great. and run away. <gasps> And there he is. And there he is. And he's up to rave. <laughs> there he is. We are now on the Mahdahe Trail. Which I kept saying is Mahade. Which was wrong. Mahade is also like a drag queen come to life. She's not our queen for this. No. Yeah, but... We're on the Mahdahe Trail. Mm-hmm. We had turned right because that was how this triangle was working out and mm-hmm. the math was going to get us back to where we needed to go. Mm-hmm. We turned left on the first part. Now we were turning right. It was almost like an equilateral triangle. Not exact, but it was pretty close. Mm, close. Yeah. Close yeah. to mm-hmm. an equilateral triangle mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we definitely had our metal tested here mm-hmm. because this was a long stretch of exactly the same thing mm-hmm. the whole time. And mm-hmm. it was like grassland, 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 long stretches of grassland. There were definitely things to see on either but side. But was there grassland? But there was grassland. <laughs> and that's what... And it was like the trail was just a small kind of like... Like you could tell where there was foot traffic. The foot traffic, yeah, right, was maintaining the trail essentially. But it was not like there's nothing paved here or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just like a little tiny, little bit of like twelve inches, yeah, like in the ground. That was yeah. like this is this is this how is you can trail. walk. Yeah, mm-hmm. we still had the markers. We still had the post markers, which was good. But the grassland here isn't very high. It's all very low grassland. So it's not like it's the trail and we're in high grass here. Thank God. It just was like very clearly a demarcated path that footfall had marked out for us. The North Petrified Forest Loop had so much landscape change that this feels totally like a record screech when we get onto the trail because it's very flat and very similar the entire way. But it was a nice break for our legs because we had been going up and down a long time. And Mm -hmm. so this was just flat, Mm -hmm. actually flat for a Mm -hmm. long time. Mm -hmm. No gradual uphill, no gradual downhill, just straight up like plateau walking. Mm -hmm. So as we get up to the trail, again, most of the posts throughout as the trail markers think about like Karen's, the used posts here. Most of the posts were blank. They just were there to kind of mark your distance or kind of just show you where the trail was. But when we approach this kind of crossroads that we were coming up to for the Mahade Trail, this actually had a sign with distance markers on it. That's important because the trail, the Mahade Trail, is actually 144 mile long trail. This is really fascinating. The trail connects the north and south units of Theodore Roosevelt National Park, among other things. It is mostly a biking trail. The bikes aren't allowed in the park. There's They've done a workaround there, but it's accessible for horseback riders and hikers in the parkland. Um, so this is sort of like, I would say, akin, though definitely not as long to, like a Pacific Crest Trail or yes, an Appalachian like Trail, yes. like a, a longer trail or the Buckeye Trail through um, Ohio. It's sort of like the state has sort of created this trail that is a trail that some people do the entirety of. We were just on a small sliver of it. So once we continue on the plateau a little further, the landscape at the edges disappears and it just becomes 
alas, more grassland. <laughs> um, it it's is a theme. <laughs> very, very beautiful mm-hmm. up here. And it also is incredibly exposed. And mm-hmm. we are starting to feel the sun now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember it being like scorchingly hot here. No, because... It was warm, but not was, scorchingly hot. This was where the wind turned on in the biggest sort of way, where I couldn't even keep my hat on because it kept blowing off. Like, that's how windy it was up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely had a weird suntan burn line from not having my hat on, even though I was putting sunblock on here, because I just couldn't wear a hat. It would just blow off the entirety of our time. As we were walking, we started to notice these little jumping bugs. Mm-hmm. They were they were flying, but they were like jumping and flying and landing along the trail next to us. They almost felt like flatter grasshoppers that were just sort of like popping off as we would walk. Yeah. But we I remember clocking those to be like, oh, I wonder what those were. As somebody who doesn't love bugs. <laughs> you don't say. I didn't have a problem with any of them. Mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. Those are fine. I actually I rather enjoy them. But mm-hmm. um, And this is what those reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the distance as we were walking... Um, on this trail, we did notice what appeared to be rocks or bigger boulders um, far, far off. But as we got closer, we realized that these were actually animals, but definitely could not figure out what those animals were no, in the distance. No, they were really yeah. far out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we got closer and closer, we realized it was actually animal butts that we were seeing. <laughs> that right. was what the rocks were. And that they were butts of pronghorns. Mm-hmm. Those butts belong to pronghorns. They did. Uh-huh. And um, as we got closer, which was like, we, we were weren't still, that close. we were not close. Yeah. Um, they as we continued on the trail, yeah. they did, they did census and they did sort they of hop and gallop off. away. They took off. They did in such an elegant way. Right. I was like, because oh, wow. they're pronghorns right. and they move so elegantly. And I do remember at this point, you know, obviously we'd seen the bison on the park on the highway as we were driving along the edge of the park. And this was our first real wildlife sighting in the park. I do remember when we had planned to come to Teddy Roosevelt or Theodore Roosevelt National Park that Brad Ryan of Grandma Joy's Road Trip was like, you guys are going to see the best wildlife like the most insane viewing of wildlife that you've ever seen in a park here. And I was like, oh, great. I look forward to that. And this was sort of that first real instance of we are in their environment. Like, obviously, anytime you go into a park, that's the case. But, oh, we've never seen something like a herd like that kind of move like from us. And it was cool. It was really cool to experience that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember being able to see in the distance like a tiny little sign Mm-hmm. In the distance, like maybe that's where we're going to be turning mm-hmm. to get onto the third arm. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where we could see it and we're like, maybe that's a sign. Maybe it's not. Who knows what it is? I remember here on this section, we talked a lot about trips to Europe during college. Right. That we, we had, had taken. like a, like we needed something to kind of like occupy our time in the wind. And so we both like were talking about. I think it came up because I was going to meet your friend Katie at the end of the trip. That was the plan. Correct. And you talked about your trip to Europe with her and her sister and she, uh, another friend. And, and our friend how, Melanie. Yeah. And how that all came about and like what that time was like for you. I think we were also like, where would we go back to? Because it's yeah. been a while for both of us since we've been across the ocean. 
Um, Generally speaking, everyone, something that I love that we do all the time mm -hmm. on trails, one, to like just make sure somebody's talking, Mm -hmm. but also to sort of, you know, keep our brains alert, is we just tell each other stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... So this was story time for us. This was. Even when we play spoil a movie, Mm -hmm. it's that story time. You know (laughs) what I mean? Spoil a movie. Spoil a movie. Mm -hmm. So, uh... No, I told you about my trip to Europe. Mm. You told me about yours. Mm -hmm. We just kept um, chatting about this Mm -hmm. until we did finally get to that tiny little sign. Mm -hmm. And this was like about an hour and 15 minutes from when we got onto the trail to here, where we started to get to this larger trail juncture. But this was not the juncture that we were going to be taking. There was a trail that went off to the left. We had to walk a little further up, and that juncture then took us to the last leg of our trail, which was the South Petrified Forest Trail. And with that, let's take our second break. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Nora Mai. Nora Mai. Yeah, Nora Mai. Nora Mai. <laughs> I love this one. Mm-hmm. What kind of queen is she? She's a cancel queen. She's like one that's like, I made plans early in the day, and then it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to just stay in. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Is Nora Mai a drag queen that just never shows up to the gig? <laughs> like, they're like, and ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nora... Oh, I'm so sorry. Nora Mai isn't here tonight. Mm-hmm. Like the whole joke the whole is that joke Nora is. Mai would be here, mm-hmm. but she's not there. Well, then then that means she's the alter ego of someone else because then there's a drag performer that does come on. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe Nora Mai only exists in video form. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're like, okay, but she couldn't be here. So she sent a video. So it's, it's like that movie Simone with Al Pacino. <laughs> 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 what a very specific <laughs> reference. Oh my uh-huh. God, Simone. Simone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or weird science. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> sure. Um, no, maybe Nora Mai is like, she She only is a drag queen that only exists inside of video form. Got it. She never exists live mm-hmm. and on stage. Okay. But the the joke is that Nora Mai is actually here tonight and she's going to do it. She's going to do a number. Mm-hmm. So sorry, she had to cancel everybody, yeah, but she yeah. did send this video. Mm-hmm. That's always... Okay. It. That's okay. always that. Okay. I think. All right. I think. What are her videos? Oh, that's great. Nor am I. What are you giving video on? What are I you feel serving like she in these videos? is black and white. Mm-hmm. Like she has a black and white aesthetic mm-hmm. in her videos. Mm-hmm. I think the Nora makes me think like film noir, mm-hmm. and so I mm-hmm. feel like maybe she is the mm-hmm. film noir queen, mm-hmm. but who only exists in mm-hmm. in the video format. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's doing some like some old. Hollywood kind of like, you know, smoking with a long cigarette cigarette holder. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, how classy. Yeah. With a big giant hat, very Jessica rabbit Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I do feel like she has a transatlantic accent, of course, because nor am I darling. (laughs) Um, Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think she's maybe she's like Catherine Hepburn's secret girlfriend. Oh, I like that. <laughs> well, I mean, that was always what they said about Catherine mm-hmm. Hepburn. Um, and I feel like she does contemporary songs, but in a very sort of 1940s jazz. Oh, way, like lounge or like 30s jazz mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what's yeah. her song that she sings? Is it maybe No Way? I don't know. Um, Cause darling, there's no. What is that song? Oh, and I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm not telling going. You I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm not going. Oh my god! 
way. <laughs> but is it no way? But is it no way? No. I, What's I, the chorus there? No, 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 no way. Yeah, yeah. I'm living without you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a perfect song because um, she never she never gets the gig, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I'm telling you that I'm not I'm not going, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I'm down. I like that very much. Great, I like that. And what's her? Does she have merch? I think her merch is just her videos. Maybe her merch mm-hmm. is just like NFTs mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> her videos are NFTs. I think it's like QVC videos. Like it's a very like, oh. you know. Oh, like, maybe so. And to have all of Nora Mai's video collection and, for oh, the low, maybe, low price of $60 a month. Or maybe the video exists only on a flash drive. Mm. And it's like somebody gets to go home with the flash drive. <laughs> and like you have exclusively, you have that now. Mm, okay. Maybe that's that. Great. Great. Then, Thades and Gentle Them, please welcome to the stage. Nor am I. Okay, so I remember turning here on the South Petrified Forest Trail, and I remember thinking, I was like, wow, we could have just walked over this grass to, like, like shortcutted this. No desire paths here, sister girl. But no desire paths, Mm -mm. so we couldn't have done that. Mm -mm. But it was definitely like, we got to follow the rules here. Mm -hmm. We immediately start to dive, I feel like, on this trail, which, if history has shown us anything, there's likely to be a lot of incline and decline as we traveled on the South Petrified Forest Loop. And wouldn't you know it, (laughs) there was. (laughs) This section seemed really different from the get-go. And on the whole, it definitely had more of a barren feel. Yeah, throughout the entire thing. Left, we quickly transitioned out of grassland, Mm -hmm. and we are now into barren forest area. Mm -hmm. Barren, petrified forest area. Yep. So this section, like the first section of petrified forest that we had gone through, had a lot of whiter earth. So at this point in the day, a little before noon, this white earth was reflecting up on the both of us. And I remember feeling hot here and bothered and not in the way we all hope and dream (laughs) (laughs) so we had to reapply sunblock yes definitely we were also down in water like crazy here yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. this section had a lot of like stubbier shrubs along it as well Mm -hmm. and it felt a little volcanic like i remember comparing it to the sliding sands trail Mm -hmm. in haleakala Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also we should mention that essentially on this trail we have effectively seen nobody we were uh, no while we had seen cars one. in the parking lot to start they obviously had walked the same exact way that we had and we had seen no one <laughs> no one no one no mm-hmm. one just very quiet beautiful eerie wilderness yeah right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. when we get into this section there isn't a lot of petrified wood in the way that there was in the first section there are some bigger pieces and there is this one giant stump that's hard to miss and it has so many colors and striations in it it's really truly very beautiful Um, and i just remember this was like sort of on an uphill grunt that we had to take to kind of get to where we needed to go it takes us a much shorter amount of time to like climb our way out of the section than anticipated, especially because for the most part, these sections were all fairly in similar length. There was another large grass ocean for us to cross in the final section of this trail. 
And um, once we walked through it, there was a bit of an uphill grunt um, that was going to take us back to like the initial connector trail that we came out on. So this is where we actually see our first sighting of people on the trail. And it's like a family of seven. There's like a mom and dad, three kids. And I felt like there were like two grandparents, grandparents with them. They were not not, let me underscore, not prepared for a long haul hike. As I don't think anyone had water with them except for one of the kids. And I think it was like a, you know, Poland spring bottle that was almost empty. (laughs) Not an official sponsor. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So clearly they had decided to turn right from that first initial arm. Right. And then where we had turned left. Right. I'm assuming they had wanted to probably see some petrified forest and probably were just doing that and bumping back. And this probably was the easier way to come down to see the petrified forest. Because we did have to hike in a little ways on the north loop before we got any petrified wood. And it was pretty immediate, I'd feel like, if you were going down on the south loop to see that petrified wood earlier. So hopefully that's what they did. Who knows? We never saw them again. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Mm -hmm. So after climbing up to the top here, we finally reached the original signpost. And I'm not going to lie, seeing that signpost, I was like, wow, we did that. Mm -hmm. That was like, Mm -hmm. that was rather epic. Yeah. And we knew that we had to turn. I remember feeling in this moment, I was like, this is like, I'm very good at directions. Mm -hmm. I remember I hesitated here because I was like, this just doesn't feel like the spot where we turned before Mm -hmm. it was, Mm -hmm. but it didn't feel like it obviously because we were coming at it from another angle, right? but different time of day too. different time of day. (laughs) But I definitely was like, I don't know. Is this right? And you were like, yeah, it's right. It's definitely (laughs) the right thing to do, which is usually flipped. It's flipped like Mm -hmm. that. This is where we get a little bit of downhill for the entirety, basically of this half mile trek, which is going to take us back to the car. And not going to lie, this felt like a great reward after all that grunt work um, that we had to do on the long stretches of the trail that we were on. So we crossed back through the gate over the cattle bridges and made our way to the parking lot, which was now pretty full with cars. Mm -hmm. Many of which were from Pennsylvania. Yeah, interesting. Which we clocked. And which I we felt like, like was a running theme for us. We, we saw, saw so many New Jersey and Pennsylvania cars when lot, we were out on the road that summer. Yeah. We ended up finishing the trail up around noon, which took us in total then from our start at 7.30, like about four and a half hours to complete, which is pretty good. I felt like it had recommended five to six hours, but it was a really great way to kind of start our morning and really get us jump started because you know that even though it was noon, there wasn't any way that we were done traveling even after hiking 10 miles that day. Because we are glutton for punishment. That's right. Okay, let's put these three arms on the Karen Stone scale. Mm-hmm. Great. Let's Ignoring the connector trail. The connector now. trail, yeah. which is, yeah. I guess we could say four yeah. arms. So four the arms. connector. Let's trail. talk about the connector. I'd give the connector a four. Yeah, that's my thought too. It's like it's not terrible, but it is like but a little bit of a grunt work right when you get started on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. So eight out of twenty for the mm-hmm. connector. Okay, the first part, the North Petrified Forest Trail. I'm gonna say this is a good solid six because there was a lot happening here and a lot of like up and down. I remember at certain points being like, oh my God, are we done with this uphill downhill? Because it was a lot. There was a lot happening there. So I'm I'm giving it a six. Yes, six. I agree because that was the first number that came to mind for me Mm -hmm. because it is a bit tough Mm -hmm. at times. But 
And it's a lot of up and down. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not flat. No. You know? No. Okay, so the Mata Hay Trail. I'm giving three. this a th- same. Yeah. Three. Great. Okay, great. Sink. It's flat. Flat. Mm-hmm. It's flat. Mm-hmm. It's exposed, but it's flat. So six out of 20 Karen stones. And then the final section, the South Petrified Forest Trail. I think I'm going to do like a five for I'm going to say a four for this. It didn't feel as difficult as the first section. And we were pretty much... And it was short. It was shorter. It's only 2.3 miles. So it felt very quick through this section. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I agree. It felt quick. It, it definitely felt a little bit like the moon. And mm-hmm. I loved that. It, as far as like interesting arms i do think like you know the north petrified forest trail and the south petrified forest trail definitely had the most variation absolutely in what we were able to see yep so yes so south petrified forest trail gets a nine out of 20 on the karen stone scale Mm -hmm. and now let's end this episode like we do all of our full-length episodes with some jeopardy style trivia okay who would like to start today I'll get started. So this Jeopardy is all about, it's called I Turn to Blank. And it's all about um, characters who are turned or transformed into an inanimate object or from an inanimate object to a thing. Um, Because petrified wood is once a living thing and then it is transformed. Ah, and during that, it's it happens during a like montage while the song I Turn to You by Christina Aguilera plays. Sure. Um, I was thinking of another song, but um, I'll save that for after. Great. Because um, it'll give away some things. Okay. Great. For 100. Medusa, with snake-like hair, was eventually defeated by Perseus, whose reflective shield helped him to avoid her nasty gaze. Those who were unfortunate to lock eyes with the Gorgon suffered this fate. What is being turned to stone? That's correct. So the song I was thinking was I Turned to Stone by ELO. Um, Oh, okay. mm -hmm. Great. For 200. In the Bible, when Lot and his wife and daughters were warned to escape their doom with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the warning of the angels who tipped them off was to not turn back and look at the destruction. Bad news for Lot's wife who couldn't help herself and was turned to this. What is a pillar of salt? That's correct. A pillar of salt. Mm Mm-hmm. For 300, after doing a good deed for a satyr, Dionysus, god of wine, provided King Midas with an incredible gift, transforming any object into something worthwhile. However, Midas didn't think his gift through, and some innocent folks, including some family members, suffered an alchemical fate of being transformed into this metal. Okay, so excellent use of the word alchemical. That's right, girl. Um, Clue writing, 101. uh What is gold? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Um, alchemy, alchemy is the study of turning <laughs> things base into metals gold. into gold. That's right. Mm-hmm. Shocking. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's not scientifically possible. Mm-hmm. But the hope that it could be is very interesting mm-hmm. and finds its way into a lot of literature. It's true. For 400. After God created Adam, he created Lilith, his first mate, from dust, which Adam was also created. This made the two equal. When this didn't work out and Lilith left, God instead created his next mate, Eve, from this piece of Adam himself, making her sort of subservient, don't you think? What is the Lilith Fair, um, <laughs> which had Sarah McLaughlin, Liz Fair, mm-hmm. um, Cheryl Crow, mm-hmm. Ani DeFranco, yep. mm-hmm. Melissa Etheridge? Mm-hmm. There's so many people I'm not listing. Mm-hmm. The Lilith Fair. Mm-hmm. No, I know it. What is the rib? That's right. One of Adam's ribs. Yes. That's okay. right. And for 500. 
In the critically panned but incredibly wonderful and eerie 1980s Return to Oz, when trying to rescue the Scarecrow from the Gnome King's ornament collection, Dorothy realizes that the Scarecrow was turned into this vibrantly green gem. What is an emerald? That's correct. I forgot about that part. Look I haven't you. watched that movie in five, so long. Four, five. Five for five. Look at you. Great clue That's, writing. I turn to stone. I turn to you. <laughs> um, perfect. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And then are you ready for my category? I am. It is called Try to Guess. Great. But try is spelled T-R-I, and it's in parentheses. Got it. Every one of these answers starts with the letters T-R-I. Great. Here's how it works. I'm going to give you a list of three things. Okay. If you can guess, here's the deal with this one. Mm-hmm. All of them are worth 500 points. Great. However, there, you only get 500 points if and only if you guess it within the first three clues. Okay. If I have to give you the additional three clues, totaling six, it's only worth 100. Okay, great. So you could get $2,500 Great. Um, for this game. Mm-hmm. Or you could get nothing. I'll just spend it on my trip to Mykonos. Perfect. Because <laughs> you know that's what I do. After Abitha, I will be headed to Mykonos. <laughs> that's your favorite thing. <laughs> that's my spend, favorite thing. Mike's favorite thing is to spend an absurd amount of money on a trip where he will ultimately just like lay at the beach and be in a hotel room. That's mm-hmm. his, that's your favorite thing. That's, that's right. your dream. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And be objectified. Don't forget the objectification. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first one for mm. 500, if you can get it in the first three clues. Okay. I'm just giving you a list. Okay. His Dark Materials, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, Greek Plays. What is trilogy? That is correct. Mm-hmm. The other um, clues were Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. For the next clue, mm-hmm. also for $500. So you've got 500 so far. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Shoes, Lake, Bike. Shoes like bike. Hmm. I think I need the other clues. Race, road, swim. What is a triathlon? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so $100 for for that one. So you're at a total of $600. Great. The third one. Mm -hmm. Gum, Mm -hmm. ocean, Mm -hmm. king. What's Trident? Correct. Mm-hmm. 500. Okay, so you're at 1,100 now. But Daddy, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> right. The other clues were God, Mermaid, and Gold. Mm-hmm. God, Mermaid, and Gold is the... Title of your memoir. And there we go. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay, the fourth one. Push. Jim. Humorous. What's Tricep? Correct. Mm-hmm. So now we're, what, 1,600 points right mm-hmm. now? Sure. I should be keeping score because this is my job. That you keep score all the time. Mm-hmm. The other things I would have said were chest, brachii, and muscle. Mm-hmm. Often people will, um, if it's a push day at the gym, they'll do the chest and the triceps on the same day. Mm-hmm. And I now sound like a bro. Okay, moving on. Always and forever. The fifth one. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Ben folds five. Mm-hmm. Beastie boys. Destiny's child. Well, I know they're a group with three members, but I'm don't I'm trying to think of the word for that. Um, what is a trifecta? <laughs> mm. <laughs> what is um, getting a, closer? What is a um, a a truet <laughs> triad? <laughs> mm. I mean, maybe 
There's another word we're looking for. Um, what is a triumvirate? <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for trio. A trio. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other clues were Bee Gees, Powerpuff Girls, and the Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were correct. It was groups of three. Mm-hmm. So do you get any points for that? No. No? Okay, great. I lose. $1, Only $1,600 for Mykonos and Ibiza? <laughs> what am I to do? This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the Gaze Shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger with Sean Sklios on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey.